Welcome to the Mom Powerment Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids, even when they are experiencing their most challenging behaviors. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Mom Powerment Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. I am so excited to have on our show today, Dr. Ray Queener. He recently retired as superintendent in Minnesota and is one of few superintendents who is never a school principal. He's a father of three and likes to hunt, fish, golf, and read. Currently, Dr. Queener is a senior consultant for Teamworks International, a coaching company for school and district administrators. Today, he's on our podcast because he knows exactly what it's like when you have to meet with a teacher and have a parent-teacher conference, for example. And I invited him on our show today to help you the next time you have a meeting with your child's teacher. Maybe you get an email from the teacher saying that they want to meet with you. And did you ever have your heart skip a beat? And you're thinking, what happened? What did my child do? What's wrong? Or maybe you just have your normal parent conferences coming up scheduled and maybe you're excited about it, or maybe you kind of are a little nervous and that's okay too. Well, after talking to Dr. Queener, he was sharing with me ways to think about and plan for parent conferences that I think might really help you. So Dr. Queener, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. So I know you and I were talking recently about parent-teacher conferences, and sometimes as a parent, it can just kind of feel daunting. I mean, I think as, as teachers and educators, you know, we live in that world every single day. We are so comfortable, and sometimes it's hard to remember that when parents come in, it, it, it's not as comfortable and familiar to them. And so um, you had some really good ideas for parents, and so maybe if you want to just start sharing with us from there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a lot of fun as a, an educator um, and a parent to show up at parent-teacher conferences. Um, many times the, the teachers would ask, you know, who are you? Where, where, why, why do you know all this about education? And uh, so, but I think, um, you know, one of the things I learned about parent-teacher conferences is that it, it's really a two-way conference. It's not meant to be a one-way. Uh, it's not a it's not a sit and get, if you will, from the teacher to share only what's going on with the, with the parent. And so I really kind of approach it as a partnership. And that means that uh, both parties have to, to listen and learn um, because the parent sees a side of their kids that the teacher doesn't see and the teacher sees a side the parents don't always see. And so kind of going in with eyes wide open and trying to listen and learn and, and figure out what's what's going on um, if there are problems or just, you know, I always wanted to know beyond the grades kind of how my kids were doing. And so um, I always went in prepared knowing how they were performing academically so that we could spend time talking about, you know, how do they, how do they get along with others? How do, you know, what are their other skills and how are they doing in, in that arena that I don't see them in that environment? So um, I think uh, the other thing that I, I, I wanted to share too is that a parent-teacher conference is should be more of a check-in on an already existing plan. Um, two times a year is not enough to stay connected. 
And especially if, uh, you know, a kiddo is struggling. And so um, if you're trying to map out a plan at a parent-teacher conference, that's, that's probably not the best use. The plan should have already been developed and, and uh, put together and then to use the conference as a kind of a check-in. How are we doing? You know, what's working at home? What's working at, at school? Um, and then lastly, I think I would just share, um, I was the unique teacher that called all of my kids' parents in the first couple of days so that the first time they talked to me wasn't with a problem. I had never even had them in class yet. And I would call them and say, just want to introduce myself and say, looking forward to the year. And here's my number if you have any questions. And there were so many times there was silence on the other side of the line. They're like, you're doing what? <laughs> There's no school hasn't even started yet, you know? And so, um, but yeah, I think, I think kind of taking some of the angst out of the conference really helps, um, just by just by approaching it with the right mindset. Mm-hmm. It's so funny you said that because when I became a teacher, I read that first six weeks of school book that I think everybody gets when they start teaching. And it talked about call your parents in the first few days of school with a positive. It's just such a great way to start mm-hmm. that connection. And the first thing they hear from you isn't something that they're concerned about. It's something that like it blew parents away. I remember calling and I would go on my planning period <laughs> and I called one day and the dad answered and he's like, where are my kids? <laughs> and I'm like, they're at special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it was, it was just so funny. Like you're right. It totally caught them off guard. And it was yeah. one of my favorite things to do. And yes, it was an events investment. Yes. It was a time commitment and, and it took away from a lot of other things you could be doing, but exactly. on the, in the, in the long run, like it had such benefits. And I, I just always recommend that and highly, you know, to my teachers and teachers that, you know, uh, the beginning, uh, months of school, the, the first month of school, you know, I know it's so busy. And it's just like one other thing, but man, does it make a difference? So, oh, yeah, yeah. It makes me smile when you said that. Um, I know you said to ask more questions than provide statements. So, that gives us something to think about when talking to a teacher. What what kinds of questions? Um, you, you had a couple ideas of like way to way to phrase things. Yeah, I, I like to, um, like I said, I when I as a parent, I would go in and I would already know kind of if there were missing assignments, I was aware of that, what their grade was. Um, and I, you know, I would argue that we probably have not done a great job as administrators. Um, you know, I, as you mentioned, I wasn't a principal, but I was a longtime administrator, superintendent. And I don't know that we've done a great job on prepping and or preparing and training teachers for high quality parent teacher conferences. So we're kind of thrown to the to the the wolves, if you will, and say, here, you know, here's parent teacher conferences, figure it out on your own. And so, um, you know, they kind of resort to what they're comfortable with and they talk about grades and they talk about missing assignments and those types of things. But I, I always tried to have that going in, especially in today's day and age, you know, that's all readily available with the student information systems. But what I really wanted to dig into is how, how is my student doing outside of academic performance? You know, where, how do they get along with others? You know, I see how they interact with their brothers and sisters and I, I pray that they don't do that at school, you know, but um, so how are they engaging with other students? Are they, are they um, outgoing? Or are they more reserved? Do you see them? Um, do you see them leading or following? You know, do you see, do you see them as problem solvers or do you see them as, you know, getting flustered and not willing to, to, to try or to persevere on challenges? So, 
asking those types of questions to help explore um, help explore your child from a different lens, I think is valuable. But it does a couple of other things too. So here's some inside um, inside magic. When you ask questions like that of the teacher, if they haven't been paying attention to that, they, they now know that when they talk to you, that's what you're going to be asking them. So they're looking for, well, here's Ray Queener's kid. We better pay attention to how they're getting along and, you know, are they leading? And, and so, you know, you, you uh, learn more when you ask the right questions, I think, around those situations. Um, but, you know, it, for a lot of parents the parent-teacher conference is intimidating. Going into a school can be intimidating. And especially if their experience wasn't um, outstanding. And, and this, I don't have any research behind this, so this is a hypothesis, if you will. But I believe that the majority of teachers are teachers for two reasons. One, <clears throat> they care about kids, of course. And two, we were really good at playing school. We knew how to master the game of school. It wasn't intimidating to us because we figured it out. We, we either were gifted intellectually or we knew how to work the system, if you will. We knew how to navigate the system. So for us walking into school, not a big deal. But for a lot of people, it is. And it can be intimidating, especially if they had challenges. So um, as teachers, if you can you know, understand that. And then as parents try to overcome that by asking questions and, and defusing the situation. So if I walk in and I'm already nervous and I'm expecting a confrontation, then I need to find language that, that, that um, calms the situation, that deescalates the situation that we don't have to have a converse, uh, confrontation because we're both here to serve this student, this child. Yeah. And I think that another question that could be asked is, is my child a risk taker mm. or do they, do they raise their hand? Do they volunteer? Do, are they afraid to volunteer? Are they afraid to make a mistake? Are they afraid to not know the answer in front of their peers? Like that tells a lot of information to a parent that they might not always see that on their end. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. Um, and, and I think too, when, when, when there's a challenge, you know, if a student is not performing or they're struggling, um, I always like to spin the question around. And so I would ask, and, you know, my kids weren't perfect. Um, they had their, their challenges. But I, I would ask the question, if, if my student was your child, what would you do? You know, tell me, tell me how you would navigate the situation. And because I think sometimes we're, we're really good at telling other people what to do, but when we put the shoe on, we may look at the situation a little bit different when we're walking in someone else's shoes. So I always try to say, help me understand what you would do as a parent if this was your child. And um, sometimes that reframing gets you, gets you on the same page and solving the challenge in front of you. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was thinking of how sometimes uh, they, they – they come to meet, but they're, they're, they're not really meeting the, the teachers. Like the child needs to do X, Y, and Z. And the parents like, wow, I, aren't I doing X, Y, and Z or so they, the parent feels like they're doing everything they know possible. And sometimes it's, it's taking that perspective of 
really the parents doing the best they can. They really are showing up doing the best they possibly can. And I really believe that about kids too. And it's just how do we help navigate where the teacher is needing the expectations of X, Y, and Z and how the parent can, can know that they're doing it and feel confident and, and know that they're doing it. Right. But, but sometimes you do see that, that disconnect. And it's like, how do you help them connect? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, um, we have to, we have to work on, on reducing those barriers and, and, you know, I, I, where do we do a lot of strategic planning with schools? And one of the th things I hear a lot of is how do we engage our parents to be partners in education? And, and so, you know, I've gently pointed out, don't blow any opportunities that already exist. Why don't we start there? Yeah. So when we have them in our buildings, let's make sure that we're welcoming, that we're, we're able to speak at at their level that you know where they meet them where that meet them where they're at we're as teachers we're really good at meeting kids where they're at i mean that's our natural gift so why are we unwilling to do that or why is it harder with adults and so um i just think an open mindset and, and appreciation of where people are at especially when you have to deal with a challenge yeah because it can be so hard it can be you yeah. know, frustrating taxing draining into you know on your just your health in general, and um, and and teachers are so showing up, you know, wanting to make a difference and wanting to help those kids, and that they're doing the best they can too. Correct, correct. But, yep. So you're right. If we if we can just just take that approach of of how can I frame this so I can it's like kind of goes back to that old adage: seek first to understand. Yes. And a lot of times when there's a difficult situation or you know something that you see one way. You just stop and help me understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. what I noticed. Can you help yeah. me understand? And yeah. man, how many times is that a helpful phrase yeah. that doesn't go in judgmentally, right? But it just shows that you're open to hear and you might learn something from a perspective you weren't thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Well, and um, it's it's a, a little relevant, but Gervais Bush is an author of a book called Clear Leadership, and it's a it's a leadership book. But the material is so applicable to everyday settings. Um, and one of the things he talks about is that no two people have the same experience, and we have to work to try to understand each other's experience before we can make a decision on what is. And so it's, it's how do you navigate that? How do you appreciate other experiences and recognize that they're different than you? And I think that's, again, as you were talking about, that's kind of the language that we have to come into the situation. The teacher has an experience in the classroom. The parent has an experience at home. And, and at the end of the day, we got to understand each other's experience, but we're trying to support the child so that they can grow and develop. Yeah, the goal is the same. Correct. But it's just stepping into the other shoes, right? Correct. How do you really Correct. know it until you walked a mile in that, you know, Correct. person's shoes? Yes. Um, so I know you say, you said to advocate for your child with an open mind. What do you mean by that? How do we know when we have an open mind? What does that look like? Um, well, maybe it was only my kids that ever did this, but their stories of when, when they came home from school, upon investigation, were not always exactly perfectly correct and true. Uh, it was their perspective of what happened. And 
So let me give you an example. So I remember a time where, and this is a true story. I, I came home and told, uh, I think the, one of the middle children to get their homework done. So it's, it's almost in a time you need to get your homework done. And what they ended up reporting to their mother was that dad yelled at me to get my homework done. I did not raise my voice. I did not even speak in a stern tone. I just said, we got to get our homework done before dinner. So my point being is that interpretation of that experience from the student isn't always necessarily, especially with the language they use, necessarily what happened. So both as a parent, and I wasn't perfect at it, but as a parent and as an administrator, whenever I heard a version of a story, I tried to take a moment and pause and say, okay, I've heard this side and I'm not going to I'm not going to judge yet. I'm not going to weigh in. I'm not going to evaluate until I get the other side. And I know really most of the time when you get the sides, the real truth is somewhere in the middle. And so when, when um, parents hear things, you know, student comes home and says, the teacher hates me. They're always mean to me. Um, you know, whatever the situation may be, it could be true. But have an open mind until you are able to investigate it. And, and I think, again, the language that we can offer to parents that will be helpful because we want to believe our kids. We, we believe when they come home and say that, that that's the absolute truth. Um, but when we go to talk with the teacher, ask the teacher, you know, could I, could I just share what I heard from my student with you and, and try to see where, where, what's going on here? You know, at that permission language, it just diffuses the, the accusations. Um, and and I, I think, you know, it is tough in the, in the education world right now. There's a lot of high expectations from parents. And I do think that there's a lot of assumptions made by parents. And it makes that connection with, um, you know, between parents and, and teachers challenging. But if, if we can offer the, the introduction of a permission language of, are you, can I share an experience with you about what my child shared with me? And can we explore this together to try to find out what, why they might have interpreted it or, or what really happened or what we can do to clarify and rectify the situation? Most people I know, when you ask that kind of question, they're not going to say, well, no, I'm not going to give you permission to share with me. I mean, that's, we, don't, we don't operate like that. Absolutely. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. But when you call, make the phone call and say... Um, I was told that you did this, this, and this. That puts us in the corner and defensive right away, and it just creates um, it creates a challenge. And so, and it's both ways, teachers and parents. But I think sometimes we we take the word of our students as the absolute truth, and we need to have an open mind that there might be more to the story than we're aware of. Mm-hmm. I think that's so powerful what you said. And if we can just use the phrase are you okay if I share with you an experience with my kid that happened and what happened? Um, it, it's similar to help me understand. And, and I think a piece to this that's also critical to it, it being successful and not creating a challenge like you shared is also paying attention to your tone of voice. Cause if you, you can say the same thing two different ways and it oh, comes yeah. out ooh, completely different. Are you okay if I share with you an experience my kid said, right? It's automatically like you did something wrong. Yep. But are yep. you okay if I share with you an experience with my kid and, and just tell you what happened? 
it, it, it's open and it's disarming. Yes. So sometimes when parents call and have a concern, first and foremost, have you shared this with the teacher? The teachers really, really appreciate hearing from you first. Uh, I'd just like to give them the benefit of the doubt to hear your concern and, and respond. And f- for you to find out what, what what's going on. And yep. you and I'll and I'll tell them. Ask the teacher, can you help me understand? This is what I heard. This is what I've noticed. This is what I've seen. Can you help me understand? And and I'll tell them, say it like this. And I tell them, if you say it like this, they're gonna have their back up against the wall. <laughs> it's not gonna end up well. Correct. But 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 I'm gonna and I ask the parents, I ask them to take a risk and go back to that teacher and just tell them what you noticed, what you observed, mm-hmm. how it made you feel, how it made your kid feel. I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent, and they may or may not, you know, see it that way. But Correct. but if you just say it, like, like I teach parents with their kids when they're in trouble, talk to them in an even tone voice, because when you yell or talk down to them, psh, you shut down everything anyway. Correct. And everyone's defense, like you said, defense mechanisms just totally, you know, um, rise up. So another way to think about what you will say in a parent-teacher conference you were saying is, I think you already touched on a little bit, um, when you're asking permission, um, is there another phrase or question that parents can hear that maybe we can even jot down and write and practice <laughs> the yeah. next time we're at a conference? You know, I like, um, I like things like, are you okay with, and then whatever the rest is. Um, would you... Um, um, would you be open to hearing uh, a, a perspective of, you know, what my student shared or, you know, what we're feeling at home or what we're, would you be open to hearing about what, what it's like at our house when we're trying to do homework? Um, because that, you know, and, and it's challenging, especially as the kids, you know, get older in school, you know, homework is nothing like we had back in whatever, for me, I'm old, but, um, you know, my parents trying to figure out math back then, even in the you know late seventies and eighties, that was a challenge for them. And, um, it's changed so much. Yeah. And you think about now, especially with the pandemic and the challenges of parents trying to figure out how to be full-time employee and, and teacher and everything else, you know, at yeah. home, it, it's hard. So right. I think parents can, um, you know, my advice is always to just, if you ask the question, would you be open to as an introduction or would you be willing to hear, or can I share a perspective with you? Um, I've never met a person that would say no, right? You know, no, my yeah. way or the highway. Um, yeah. because I think that just, that introduces the, the desire for dialogue versus confrontation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it opens it up to, I think a very disarming uh, platform to respond as opposed to now you now you're blaming me and now I've got to justify what you just in a sense put blame on it right it, it's very amazing how right. words and language and even tone can just be interpreted so many ways which is why email is probably the worst thing to do when to send when you're upset and I times I'm like pick up the phone hey you know because it's just that tone can just really change everything yeah yeah. Not, not that I'm a late afternoon TV watcher, um, but I want to give credit. I mean, I, it's, I think it's Dr. Phil that said, you know, one of the things we should ask ourselves is, do we want to be right or do we want to be happy? Because sometimes we're so stuck on thinking that we're right 
that we we fight for that at all costs and that um i think the exploration of the dialogue is so uh so valuable um can i share a story a teaching story yeah okay so uh i was i was a secondary math teacher way back when and uh i had a teaching seventh grade math and i had a student that i would say was average um he did okay on tests um, but at the time, you know, homework was a big part of the grade. And he, he many days would not have homework done. You know, he would have a, have a start on it, but he wouldn't have it done. And, and so he was really struggling. You know, he was like the C minus, D plus. Sometimes he would have a couple weeks where he would be in the F range. And so, you know, I was really frustrated because I, to me, it was like, why can't you just do your homework? You know, what, what's the big deal here? And so at that, at that time, I kept him after class after a period of time. And I said, you know, what, what's going on? Cause you're not, you're not uh, dumb. I mean, you're, you're able to figure it out. You do well on tests, but you're not getting your homework done. And that that's killing you in the grade factory. And he shared with me his life. So as a seventh grader, when he got off the bus, his mom went to work, single mother, he was then in charge of his younger sister for the evening. So he had dinner to make, had to help her with her homework, had to get her cleaned up and ready for bed. And by 9, 30, 10 o'clock, the seventh grader was exhausted. And so he would start doing his homework, but end up falling asleep. And, and, and so I said at the moment, at the time, after he shared the perspective, like, let's, here's the plan we're going to put you on. And, you know, we're going to alternate your, we're going to, uh, provide you an alternate homework assignment so that you can be successful. The point being is that he didn't volunteer the experience. I had to ask for it, but had he came in and, you know, or as a parent came in and shared that experience, we then can say, okay, let's get a modified plan. Let's fix this solution. It's not working for the student. We don't know why we make an assumption um, about what's going on. And, you know, as an educator and social science uh, person, uh, as humans, our brains can't handle mystery. So when we don't know something, we'll fill in the gaps. We'll make up a story. And we make it up based on our experience and our understanding. And most of the time we're wrong. But that's the best we can do. So it is valuable. My, my, my plea to parents is it's valuable to put your experience and share that with your teacher so that they're aware of what's going on. Because at the end of the day, as you already said, the goal is to support the child as best we can. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes we think, well, I can't open up and really share what it's really like because because it should be different or it's not what it's painted to be or it's not what everybody, you know, does or what it looks like. And, and if if we can just get to the point and be like, you know what, hey, it's kind of like this at our house. And like you said, like, just share with us what's really happening so that and I'll go back to the another question you said, which is a good one to pose how can we mm. okay here's yeah. the issue and concern and my issue and concern your issues how can we make this work for you yeah. and for me and for the kid how can we and if we come with that approach wow all of a sudden like now we're a team solving the problem together not on opposite sides trying to you know i have the, I have the perception that you're not doing enough you think you're doing enough but it's not enough and then you know where do we go from there so i loved how you were saying use and frame the question with how might we right it it really shifts the thinking dramatically um and i 
I think a, a metaphor that I've used is, you know, if I had a, a had a good friend and and uh, neither of us were exercising, and I said to them, tomorrow morning at five thirty, I'm going to be at your house. We are going to go for a run, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get on the three mile run, and and that's what we're gonna do. Well, my friend is going to put up all kinds of objections. I've no, I've got to be to work t- early tomorrow, or I've got to be up late tonight, or I don't have clothes to run tomorrow, or they're going to think of all the reasons why they don't want to get up at 5.30 and go for a run. But if I flip the question around and say, hey, look, friend, how might we get 45 minutes of running in tomorrow? Well, now we're, we're in the creative problem-solving phase. We're not, I didn't dictate a solution to them. I said, let's solve the problem. And so it just shifts the mind. And um, oftentimes when we, we put things out there, the, the objections go up, the roadblocks go up, and people think of all the hurdles that we have to, to climb over. And, you know, as, as a former superintendent, that was my language a lot. Great. I understand you don't like the way this works. So how might we make this successful? Mm. Um, a thought leader in the, in the personal productivity space um, in, in the U.S., uh, Michael Hyatt, uh, uses language like, what's not true today that has to become true tomorrow for us to achieve the goals that we're looking for. Again, another way to shift the thinking, instead of finding objections, okay, let, let's figure out what's not true. Let's make it true so that we can achieve our goals tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And again, these tools that, yes, there's some applicability outside of education, but they're great language to put around the conferences with teachers and parents. So, What's not true with this relationship? What's not true with how my kid is being um, successful in the class? What, what, what do we have to do different to make this work? And every kid's different. Every teacher's different. And not everything all just meshes together fine. It takes some intervention and some work. And so it's, that's why I said originally, this is a partnership. It's not teacher-parent, you know, I'm, I know more, you know less, whatever. It's a partnership because the goal is to serve the kid. Exactly. And that's what both people are showing up for. Both sides are showing up. Yeah, absolutely. Really, at the end of the day, it's to support the kid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And I love, um, there there was a little fourth grader that I had when I I was a teacher, and I could not get get to this kid. He wouldn't do any work for me. He was socially awkward. he, He didn't connect well with his peers. Like, Every, he was like my enigma, right? Like mm-hmm. we always had one. And um, and so I would have lunch with him just to like help try to figure out like, what can I do to help this kid like actually do his work and, and do this school thing? And you know what he said to me when I was having lunch with him one day? I just need a box and I need it just, just enclosed around me and only you're allowed in, nobody else. And I was like, wow, he actually thinks that he would be successful if he's just completely just tucked away in his little, you know, cocoon world, whatever that did in in his mind, that's where he felt he was successful. So I was like, that is such a great idea. I don't have a box to put around (laughs) around you in the class. Um, But why don't we move your desk, you know, over against the wall? Mm -hmm. So it feels like that's, that's, that's your thing. And, and now that I know that you kind of like need your space, we'll just recognize that your space is yours. And, and he, he was so good hands-on, like he could create anything um, hands-on, but pencil paper, it was the hardest thing. It was like pulling teeth, getting him to do anything. Yeah. And do you know that I ran into an educator in his school 
um, several years ago. And she said he was then in middle school now. And she overheard him helping a younger kid who had similar behavior issues and problems and challenges school-wide, work-wise. And she said, and she heard him saying, well, you know, there was this teacher, Dr. J, and she always just helped me. And so we're going to help you. <laughs> and it was just so sweet. Like, cause you, you invest in these kids, you give, and, and a lot of teachers do. And that's why I just love even parents and teachers listening to this podcast. Like, thank you for everything you're doing because you don't always hear that thanks in the end, right? You mm-hmm. don't always have the child coming back or the parent coming back. So as hard as it might feel in moments, be encouraged mm-hmm. today that here are some great questions to try and use the next time. Things might be a little stickier, challenging on either side. And both both, both of us, all of us are showing up to do the best, to do our very best. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And here are some tips and tricks and ideas and questions that can just help us get to the end goal, which, which is the same goal. Reaching the kids. Yes. Reaching the kids. Yeah. Yeah. So I just love, thank you so much for these ideas, these questions. They're almost like simple question stems that we can just write on a note card or keep on hand or just look at the next time, you know, we walk into a conference or we get called for a conference and, um, and, uh, I just appreciate you taking the time to share those with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. It's uh, been an honor to be here and to share some ideas and hopefully it's helped uh, at least one person out there. And if so, that's a, I call that a victory for today. And, um, and you know, like we said, we, we do this for kids. We're all in the same, in the same boat, trying to help kids be successful. And um, that's why we do what we do. And that's, that's what parents want. And that's what we want. So we figure out a way to do it best together is, is a victory for all of us. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Mom Powerment Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait to help you live a happier, healthier life with your kids. Click subscribe today, and we can't wait to have you join us on our next episode. Thanks again. And remember, don't worry, be happy. Hey there, it's Karin. I hope that you're enjoying the show. And by the way, if you're a mom who wants to learn how to help your child when they're struggling behaviorally or facing challenges in school, get started today by getting my free short video course on first steps to mom empowerment. Go to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in learning how to have a happy life and healthy life with your kids. So head on over to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video and grab your free gift today.